0: Three. Emperor! saw that. Yeah, you
1: did. <laughs> I turned it on just in time too. That was great.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Oh my goodness. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Fusion Underground. I think we're on episode 8 if I'm not mistaken, episode eight. Yes, we are on episode eight. I know, right? It's crazy. Um, it seems like they just, uh, they just keep coming. We keep yeah. doing this whole thing.
0: Every, so. every week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like every week there's a new one. It's just That's, like magic.
0: It's, it's crazy. It, every Tuesday rolls around every week without fail.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Episode eight. Yeah. Well, welcome to all five listeners. I hope you've been enjoying the show. A couple of days ago, we did a, uh, we did a DLC, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you should check that out. We talked about uh, My Little Pony. We talked about the Masters, the golf tournament. Uh, we talked about Cyberpunk
0: 2077. It was just an all-around show. We, we fun were everywhere. Show. Even yeah. Cards, Cards Against Humanity, too. Cards Against Humanity that. was in there. Yeah. We had yeah. a blast. I, I had a lot of fun doing that.
1: Yeah. So we just released that a couple of days ago, yesterday, Thursday. I don't know. Remember, the days all seem to blur together now. Um, but now we're here to do episode eight of the actual show. Uh, so here at the Fusion Underground, what we do is we try to make sense of the world by having what we consider to be principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. And our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives as always i'm your host manuel ramirez and i'm joined by my co-host in the virtual our, our virtual studio uh by my brother and good friend jason Moret. how are you doing sir
0: i'm doing good brother doing good it's good to see you you too it's been a while like uh, i don't know like a couple of days 36 hours <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 something
0: like that right yeah something like that i think it was yeah
1: Go ahead and stop sharing that, so we can we can see you in all your glory. Oh, okay, yeah, Captain, <laughs> Steel the thunder. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, we've got quite a bit of an action packed show, I, I suppose. Um, today's today's episode, we're going to be talking about: is it better to be treated equally or fairly? It's an interesting question. Mm. I think it's an interesting question to ask. Intriguing, intriguing. So I asked <laughs> you to think about that. Um, but before we get into that, before we jump into the actual topic itself, um, is there is there anything that new has that you've been uh, you've been doing with, dealing with on your end, or is
0: it just uh, kids and work? Kids and and work and. Uh, stuff getting needing to get fixed around the house and not enough time to do all of that all at once i was just yeah i had a, a pump go out of my washing machine so i gotta mess with that so you know all the fun stuff that normal everyday american blokes <laughs> have mm-hmm. to deal with <laughs> um I, i'm stealing a phrase from my brother now it, it's just any, anytime anything else goes wrong you just go eh, of course of course. It is what it is. One more thing. Of course it did. Of course that went out. <laughs> of course I had another issue show up at work that I didn't know how to deal with. Of course, <laughs> you know, the kid had a blowout at school and now I've got poopy clothes that we can't wash because the washing machine took a. Of course it did. Of course. Yeah. Of well, course. in the
1: meantime, in the meantime, uh, there's been a steam sale going on. For
0: a anybody... steam sale? Like buying hot water? No. For... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for
1: anybody who plays video games on the computer oh yes steam and i okay. picked up two games did you really what'd you get i picked up two games uh watchdogs one and Watch Dogs two i was able to get both of them for like 15 bucks oh wow um and i've been playing through Watch Dogs one and i've been really enjoying it uh it's like this hacker not totally cyberpunk but uh you do a lot of hacking and mm-hmm. um throughout the game and uh it's kind of like a mixture of cyberpunk with uh, grand theft auto.
0: Yeah. I, I, I remember seeing some of that stuff. It was yeah. uh, a little bit of a high tech kind of GTA yeah. Uh, yeah. running around. I was interested in it and then um, well, wasn't interested enough to buy it at full price cause I don't pay full price for much of anything and then forgot about it when it went on sale. So you have to tell me how it is.
1: Yeah. The first one was only like eight bucks, seven bucks or something like that. Yeah. I really enjoy it, but I'm really, really bad at the driving. so it's just it's just so terrible I'm playing on a mouse you know mouse keyboard because I'm playing on the computer Uh and the controls just are not good for driving in the game with mouse and keyboard so
0: I have uh, learned something about video games mm -hmm. my, my good buddy TJ he is amazing at first person shooters he's really good at combat games you put him behind the wheel in any video game I don't care He's bound to hit a tree and a mountain at the same time. The oh, I hitting everything not, in the city. He can't drive a car to save his life. Yeah. So I'm, when we I'm play co-op, everything. it's just understood: I drive, he shoots. That's yeah. the way it works, and it works out well. Yeah,
1: so. it. I can't. I can't. I have to get the crappy cars. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, like when I'm running around and I need to get across the city, I gotta. I, I jack a car that that you know is, is, that
0: handles terrible doesn't have a lot of speed because you yeah. can actually manage it
1: because i can actually manage it yeah if i yeah. get behind like a if i get behind the wheel of like some souped up sports car or whatever you're, you're it's just crashed and nothing oh flat. man you know and i can't <laughs> doing donuts and everything i'm like i'm just trying to go to the intersection
0: <laughs> yeah it's terrible yeah so that, yeah I have and to drive that's the in the, the game cars. you're talking about not yeah
1: no. yeah oh okay <laughs> Yeah, because I run around and I jack cars all day long. Hey,
0: you know, uh, we we talked about free expression. I guess you know, but uh...
1: <laughs> oh, good lord! Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to completing this game. I'm still in Act One, and I've been I don't know I've been playing for a few hours today, probably five
0: hours. I wasn't doing anything, so nice. um,
1: yeah, yeah. So, I'm usually way
0: behind the times when it comes to games coming out. If I play anything, I. I I just finished last week, um, South Park's A Stick of Truth, which mm. I think came out like eight years ago. Eight, I don't some, even know. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it was five bucks and I was like, all right, well, that's cool. Yeah, sure. Um, why not? Because that's that's about my price point
1: because mm-hmm.
0: um, two kids and broken washing machine and other stuff that needs to be fixed. So that's what I have left over for game budget.
1: Yeah. And in the meantime, all this past week, for probably for the past two weeks, so for, for anybody who's listening, if you're looking for a new show to, to binge, if you happen to have Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, so you've got video, Amazon Video. Um, I think it's on Amazon Video. Yeah, I'm almost positive it's Amazon Video. Um, I've been watching Suits. And that, that's a fantastic show. It, I'm amazed at how they take something that it would seem so boring we're talking about high-powered lawyers who go in and do um, like contract deals, contract negotiation. Mm-hmm. It's not really exciting. It doesn't sound very exciting. Pencil but, whipping uh,
0: the fine points of a billion-dollar contract.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's what the show's about. But it's yeah. actually really good. It's <laughs> so good. I, I can't even explain it. It's just so good. Harvey Specter, I think, is uh, my favorite television uh, character. In, uh, by far, in any TV show I've ever watched, Harvey wow. Specter is—that's
0: uh, that's pretty high accolades there, sir.
1: Yeah. So definitely check it out if you're looking for something to uh, to binge. There's nine nine episodes. I don't even know if all nine or nine episodes nine <laughs> seasons. Uh, but I'm not sure if all nine seasons are actually on Amazon on Amazon Video uh, Prime or whatever. I because I remember seeing five, and uh, okay. so. I don't know what I'm going to do if I can't watch the remaining four seasons. <laughs> You're going to be pretty.
0: like the people that were watching Lost and like broke down in tears and were threatening suicide at the end. If they, oh,
1: dude, it's terrible. We were watching. <laughs> um, we were what was that show? Nine one one. There's a show called Nine one one. It's like set in Los Angeles. I think it's LA, and um, and it just follows a, a group of fire firefighters. Well, it kind of flips a little bit between like there's some firefighters and then there's a police officer who's in, who's kind of gets roped into the mix and a 911 operator. And, and it just kind of bounces around from these different, you know, it's like a cop show, but set with firefighters. Um, and I got really hooked into that, uh, into that show. And I can't remember which season is, I think it's all on Hulu. The first season was on Hulu. Um, and then... The third season is currently, or was the last few weeks, um, last couple of months was on air. So the, the third season is the latest one, but season two unavailable unless I buy it. So I'm not very happy about that. It's like, I can't, it's not on Netflix. It's not on Amazon. It's not on Hulu. It's just like, there's, here's season one to get you, to get you excited about the show and then jump to season three. I'm like, I don't want to do that, man. Um, so are you going to buy it? I'm trying to avoid buying it because it's twenty bucks for the
0: season. That's a yes.
1: (laughs) That's a yes. We'll we'll see what happens after I'm done with suits, and uh, if I'm jonesing to go back to nine one one. I really like the nine one. I really like nine one one. CSI
0: nine one one.
1: (laughs) See (laughs) it. I don't even think they have CSI on the on Hulu or. I, I don't I should, know. I, I liked that show initially. I watched. I've only seen a handful of episodes.
0: Yeah, but I didn't. I, I, did, like I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. But yeah. then it kind of broke off, and then there was what—see, uh, Miami and NYPD CSI, AGT. <laughs> you know, and I just in you know, Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, yeah. Um, I, got, I lost interest after one of those letters i don't know yeah oh that's good stuff that's good stuff
1: so we've got uh before we jump into the uh into our topic um i want to get i want to get some people up to speed on on some of the stuff that's been happening in the past week in terms of news okay um you know we're we're i think we're in a really dumb timeline right now with everything that's going on oh yeah in terms of you know we've got all of these demonstrations, these protesters, um, you know we're we're in the middle of a uh, of a presidential election to which I don't think most people are following any kind of presidential election politics. Yet. No. most people don't until summer, no. um, or until I should say the end of summer. Um, so I don't think a lot of people are really involved in, in the polls and, and I don't think most people care. We've also got all of this COVID stuff that's been going rampant the, I heard a, I heard a great phrase on online the other day called the control of virus. And I really liked that.
0: Yeah, that oh, that's awesome. I like that.
1: Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. The, the control of virus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of craziness that's been, that's been happening. And I found this, um. I found I found an interesting article. This was from Oregon. Uh article out of Oregon. And um you know Oregon at least around Portland has been um a hot spot for a lot of these B- Black Lives Matter protesting that's been going on. Yeah. Um at least for the like the last year or so. Uh I I think you might remember BLM they 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 built their own seclusion area there. It was like the first autonomous zone before autonomous zone was right. cool And last year. Yeah. You know, they, so they built their own little area there. Um, I think that was like what a year or two ago.
0: I can't even remember now. I think it was. Yeah. They, they were, they were hit before everyone else was square. You know, mm-hmm. they were wearing the mm-hmm. skinny jeans before they were in kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, and you got to do me a favor for just you and me, if nothing mm-hmm. else, Uh huh. quit saying BLM. Why? View of land I, I, management. That's all I get is a view of <laughs> land management when I hear BLM. <laughs> because when I'm looking, I'm out wandering around the woods, and I go, "Oh, that's BLM land over there." That's what I'm. That's where my brain's at. That's uh-huh. yeah. So fine, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so I found this article here,
1: and uh, there's a place called uh, Lincoln County, Oregon. So health officials in Lincoln County, Oregon, are reportedly exempting residents of color. From wearing coronavirus masks Ouch in public. In public. they're exempting them.
0: Isn't um, that woo, that's dangerous. How is that not encouraging the uh, black population to contract coronavirus? That's I racist?
1: I don't know. It says, the article goes on and says, official, uh, official said. That's a weird way to start it but it says official said they made the decision amid heightened concerns about racial profiling and harassment also saying no person shall intimidate or harass people who do not comply so in other words um there are black folk who are normally um get racially profiled profiled right Right. Um, other citizens or cops might racially profile them and so because of racial profiling or, and harassment, um, people of color do not have to wear those masks when they're out in public.
0: Oh, okay. So they can actually contract the control of virus. Yeah. Apparently. So oh, okay. I think that's, or infect anyone else.
1: I mean, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? <laughs> what <laughs> as, as, as a society, what are we doing? I mean, um, it, it, you either have to, I mean, we, we've had people for weeks now screaming and yelling, wear, wear the mask, wear the mask, wear the mask. Oh, not everybody has to.
0: Well, well I, I, everybody has to unless you're black, apparently.
1: Right. How is that? I don't understand how any of this goes back to that. And, and this kind of ties in actually to the whole concept that we're going to talk about tonight about do you want to be treated equally or do you want to be treated fairly? Mm-hmm. And. And a lot of times, the Black Lives Matter movement says we want equality. They want to be treated equal. We want equality, um, but not in all things. So, some people are more equal than others, apparently. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Here's, I have a question for you and for all the listeners. I want people to ponder this. And this has to do with those stupid coronavirus masks that, you know, the, the face masks that everybody's walking around wearing all the time now. Okay. So, If you remember, I want you to think back, remember when the masks were starting to become a thing. And there were people who said, you know what, the masks don't work because you have to have a specific filter so you're not necessarily protected from the virus. And there were a lot of examples of saying that's like trying to stop, you know, the virus is so tiny that whatever mask you put on your face, it's like trying to stop a mosquito with a chain link fence. I think you heard about that analogy. A lot of people have heard about that analogy,
0: correct? Sure. Yep. Yep.
1: So there were people that said, no, you have to wear the mask. And they even conceded. They conceded and said that the mask isn't going to protect you, the wearer. Mm-hmm. But that the ma- wearing a mask is going to protect other people around you. In other words, if you cough or sneeze or just in the act of speaking, right, your the the spit particles, your spittle isn't going to go very far.
0: Well, and what they've said is that it it's not an it's not an airborne disease. Right, right. It's it's droplet. It's
1: droplet. So, so you can't get, you know, correct. me talking at you getting you're not gonna get sprayed, right? Right. That's the idea. Okay. Yep, Fair enough. Idea. Fair enough. So then they, so they made that argument and that's a pretty fair argument to to make. I think, I think that that's a totally fair argument. Yeah. You know what? Okay. So how come you can't wear it off your nose?
0: How come you can't wear it off your nose? How come you, how come you have to have your nose covered? Why not just wear it like this? Well, um, you suppose you can, um, spread droplets out of your nose. Like you mentioned sneezing, or going (laughs) out your nose or whatever i mean
1: yeah but but most of the most people aren't walking around you know
0: spraying stuff out of their nose they're not you're actually trying okay here's where you are fatally flawed and i love you for it you are trying to apply rational logic to an absolute pandemonium driven situation (laughs) i love you for it but shame on you (laughs) I have, we actually have, so something at my, my work, I started a long time ago and you remember the old swear jars, you know, you swear you had to put a a dollar quarter in or now, you know, with inflation now it's a dollar 50 or whatever it is Uh on uh your place of business. Um, I started the logic jar. We bought lunch a couple times for the whole office. Anytime you use actual logic, you put a dollar in the jar. So I'm going to start one for us here at the (laughs) underground and you just, you have an IOU now, sir. That's $1 dollar. into the logic jar for of, you. of a dollar. Shame on you.
1: <laughs> because, you know, I was just thinking about, there are a lot of people who say that they have very, they have a discomfort wearing the masks. And i and a lot of people that I, that I've seen online or that I've talked to said, yeah, they don't like it. It makes the, it gives them anxiety or they can't breathe. They feel like they can't breathe well through it and all that. And I thought, well, just uncover it off your nose because You're not walking around, you know, spraying people out of your nose all the time. Even when you're speaking, it's, you're not, things aren't flying out your nose, you know, four feet away. Um, And if somebody were to sneeze on you, well, it doesn't really matter if the mask is covering your nose or not, right? Because the Mm -hmm. virus particles Mm -hmm. can go through the fabric. So what difference does it matter? So just bring it down off your face, off your nose a little bit.
0: Well, I'll take it a step further and go, okay, some of the, some of us have to have regular testing for our job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, if if you're not sick and you've tested negative even day of why are you wearing a mask at all right because you again you, back to what you're saying if it's not protecting me the wearer right but protecting everyone else from me the potential carrier right if if i've been if i'm tested and i'm negative then why the mask why why bother yeah so anyway oh, i just i, I, I owe that a was i'm sorry <laughs>
1: You know, oh, and there's, 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 new, uh, there's new information that's been hitting the interwebs lately, too, talking right. about the testing. So, um, you know, there are, there are reports saying that you can pop positive on a COVID-19 test if you only have the cold or certain strains of the cold. Because certain strains of the common cold are coronaviruses. That's correct. So there are, there's now some reports saying, you know what, you can be given the, C, the the COVID testing, not actually have the specific SARS-CoV-2, I think that's what it's called. So but you might yeah. actually have a viral strain of the common cold that is a coronavirus and it's popping positive on those. So who knows what these numbers actually represent anymore?
0: No, the, the, well, I will absolutely tell you that the numbers are, are <laughs> for lack of a better word, all jacked up. Um, but I do know in a, in a professional healthcare setting, if you get the rapid test, that's, you know, that they do the one day and it comes mm-hmm. back at the same day testing. That's, that's the rapid quote unquote testing. And that is positive. Then they do the full send out testing for it is it's the SARS COVID two. And that does not your, the common cold will not trigger that as a positive. Right. And that, yeah. And then I know
1: it's those, it's the quick ones that they're trying to Correct. It's, they're, get out of mass.
0: The rapid testing—it's—and um, right. those are not supposed to basically rule in or out for COVID necessarily. They're supposed to be first indicators. Correct. That's the idea. Correct.
1: But they—but because you're dealing with coronaviruses of the common cold type, right? Of the common cold strain, there's a high possibility that you can actually pop positive and not actually have the COVID nineteen. Correct. But see, most people don't work in that healthcare environment. Right. So, so most—if you go to your local clinic. And you actually have one of those coronavirus common cold cold strains and it pops positive. Now you think you've got COVID-19. You go home. They tell you to monitor your health. You get, guess what? You got tested. So now you're getting put into the statistics of anybody who's tested positive. Uh, I I don't think we really understand who has it. I I don't think we understand. And and I think there are so many people who are getting sick who have gotten sick and never got tested. And the, the true numbers, we have no idea
0: no you well and and, as I told you before, honestly i I really do believe that everybody is going to get exposed to it. everybody will, yeah. um just like the common cold of the flu i mean you, you might have a, a small percentage of the population call it ten to fifteen percent who might sneak by and never get exposed to it because they lived in their closet for the last six months. Well, yeah. kudos, everybody else will um, and then we'll get over it yeah, you will i I am not um I'm not downgrading the seriousness that this can't. I don't want to downgrade to it either. To other people, I don't want to downgrade that at all. But, um, I mean, look at this this last wave of exposure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know who the, the highest percentage of uh, population of the demographic getting hit is the 20 to 35 age group. Yeah. Well, that's the age group of the population that basically been locked up for the last three months from their job and have basically been fed up and said, that's it, I'm getting. I'm done with this crap. And they're back out there living their lives. And um, the rate of exposure has increased dramatically. Absolutely has. But the amount of cases that have required hospitalization has is actually significantly less. And yeah. in those hospitalization cases, the length of stay required in a hospital level setting is about 10% of what it was previously. Because... Yeah. You, they don't have the comorbidities. They don't have the other issues going on. And it's like, okay, well, that was a nasty freaking flu that kicked my butt for a couple of days. Can I go home now?
1: Yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting is there's, you can pull the data off of uh, the daily totals of everything. And I've been looking at the daily totals. One of the things that I found that is really interesting in looking at the entire data set is that especially in Arizona, cause I'm more, I'm more interested in what's going on in Arizona because it, Arizona is now considered the hotbed, right? The hot zone for COVID-19, all this kind of yeah. stuff in the media. And what's interesting is when you look at the numbers and you look at the hospitalization rates, uh, over time, um, of those people who tested positive for COVID-19, and there's going to be a subset of those people that end up having to be hospitalized. Um, back in early April, that no, the number of the percentage of people that got hospitalized was up close to forty percent. It was like right around a little bit above thirty-seven
0: percent. Yeah, so it, was 30, a, it was a high ratio.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thirty-seven percent of people who were popping positive were going to the, were going into the hospital, and that was a really that was a very scary thing, obviously, right? But over time, that that percentage of hospitalizations for positive uh, positive uh, test results. Has been declining and has steadily been declining in Arizona, yeah. and now we're under four percent. So we're at right around three point five, three point right. six percent of the positive cases have to be hospitalized, and that has con- consistently trended down, even though the the number of cases, right. positive cases, has has increased.
0: Correct. Um, So there's some interesting thing that's, there's some
1: interesting stuff going on there in that data.
0: Exposure rates gone up and hospitalization required has gone down. Length of stay required has gone down. And that's from the very first case that's gone down consistently as, as as far as that goes. Um, And I think there's a handful of reasons for that. One of them, one of them um, I do believe is we prepared so heavily for the worst case scenario, right? That it's like, Oh oh my God, uh, Bob, is positive for COVID. Well, we gotta get him in the hospital, we gotta get him in the ICU, we gotta have a ventilator standby, and we're gonna hold him here for two weeks because we don't know what's gonna happen because we didn't know. Right. Um, I think that is a huge factor. Am I saying that's the only factor? No, but I I do believe that that was a big part of it.
1: Right, in other words, I think I think what the what the percentage numbers, I think one of the things that are contributing to this is that, that downward trend of hospitalizations is that um, medical professionals are recognizing how and when to treat it. Sure. Um, No, we're
0: gaining understanding of it as we go along. And uh, I've, I've made the, uh, the true joke with you before that medicine is a practice, right? That's why doctors have a practice. You learn as you go. And, and this disease we we're learning, um, what are true indicators of life threatening, uh, symptoms and what is, okay, you're going to be all right. Just, uh, you know, stay out of the sun, drink lots of water and take your vitamins and go home and get some rest.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Switching gears here. All right. I got a, I got another thing. So there, there's uh there are a lot of protesters around the country who are pulling down statues, right? Yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of that going on. Um, um, particularly they're pulling down statues that have to deal with, uh, you know, people that were alleged racists or slave
0: owners or whatever. Do um, they really know Sorry, that's, that's me just asking a question. It's not a logic one either. Do they really know?
1: No, I don't think they do. I think they just see a statue and pull it down. I mean, there's, there have been several stat, many statues that have been pulled down that um, the, the people were abolitionists, yeah. that you know, were freeing slaves and such. So, so they yeah. don't even, they just see a statue and it's like, oh, let's tear it down.
0: Yeah, just, it, it just must because. be a, a racist uh, right. white, white male, has to be. Right. Uh because that's that, well, that's all we you know ever erect statues for right. people who are like that, right? That's right. So it has to go.
1: So, so now there is a petition underway to rename Columbus, Ohio. The city, the city, Columbus, Ohio. And here, so for, I'm reading from the article here. As Columbus, Ohio's mayor announced that the city's statue of Christopher Columbus will come down, a petition is circulating to rename the city, Flavortown Town. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah flavor. Um, so is willy wonka's chocolate factory there i i because that's about <laughs> the only way that that makes any sense to me see i
1: didn't understand this either but okay. but there's the you may have seen him there he's a chef celebrity by the name of guy fieri he's got some
0: oh oh was it, show, he? do the diners, drive-ins? And, I think that's him. That I think one? that's him with the yeah. spiky blonde hair, with and, the frosted tips, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. the different colored stash, and you know, yeah.
1: yeah. I think that I think that's him. He so he was born in Columbus, Ohio, and and I guess he's got some some catchphrase uh, of his that he uses the term Flavor Town. I don't know. I've never watched the show. Oh my God! Really? So. Because yeah, I've never watched the show. So because he says Flavortown, he was born in Chris in Chris. He was born in Columbus, Ohio. So now they want to rename this. They want to rename it Flavortown.
0: I I, <laughs> I, dude, I don't know. I, I will add I only that work to here, man. the. Um, uh, God Almighty! I'm sorry. I will add that to the places I will not yeah. uh, seek retirement in because I don't want to retire in a place called Flavortown, USA. Yeah. So I have another article here, switching gears away from
1: Columbus, Ohio and Flavortown. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, you know, my my biggest my biggest thing about stuff that goes on, stuff that we see is really has to do with the media. Right. A lot of a lot of my frustration about what goes on has to do with the media and the way the media reports certain things. Okay. <clears throat> because I I think one, I think a lot of media and journalists are heavily slanted to the left as in, and rather than being in the center or to the right I think because they slant to the left they have a tendency to um, to attack anybody who's who they perceive to be on the right side of the spectrum and that includes Donald Trump so of course anytime Trump says something and and again this is not a this what I'm talking about right now is not a defense of Trump he can defend himself I really don't care about that Right. Um, but this this is really about um, about the media and the Washington Post in general. Okay. Um, and so I want to I want to I want to set the set the stage because I want to share this part of my um, I want to share this article with you so that you can actually see it. So there's this guy. So you can see that Trump keeps claiming that the most dangerous cities in America are all run by Democrats. They aren't. This was from the, this is from the Washington
0: post. Okay. And and it's, they backed this up with data. I'm, sh- I'm certain. Oh yeah. Right. We're going to okay. get there. Oh, oh, All yeah. right. Go ahead. So
1: this guy right here, Philip bump. So he basically, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I only work here. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so he takes issue. Philip here takes, uh, takes umbrage with the president, uh, you know, claiming that the most dangerous cities in America are, on, all, run, are all run by Democrats. So, so
0: before we get into that, I, I, I do uh-huh. have an observation, and it's something that I think is tying into what you're talking about with, with media bias, and, and uh-huh. whether you feel that that's biased one way or the other. But this mm-hmm. is something interesting I was talking about just the other day. You notice when there is a, um, a Democrat or liberal, depending upon how you term to cl- or choose to classify, Mm-hmm. Um, in the Oval Office, all media refers to that person as the president. Correct. When it is a Republican or conservative or... Just a, the last name. It is just him. Mm-hmm. Correct. So I... Correct. I find <clears throat> that very interesting. Yeah, so do I. Okay. All right. So Just an observation. Continue. So, Philip Bump goes
1: through this whole diatribe of how terrible it is that the president, blah, blah, blah. But then he gets here and this is the great stuff. Remember, Trump said that all the dangerous cities are run by Democrats. So he pulled some data. Mayoral
0: party in cities with the most violent crime. So one of, of the them. Data po- whoa, 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 whoa. Of the data pulled. I'm just looking at your uh-huh. And I want to make sure that we pull this out here. Um, there's what, would you call that 50 cities? There are 20, well, so the 20 top cities. part, of,
1: for those that are listening here, I'm showing now a graph mm-hmm. and the, there, there's two graphs. The, the first part of the graph, the top half of the graph, okay, um, each of them shows 20 cities, each graph shows 20 cities, but the top half shows the overall 20 cities with the most violent crime, okay? And New York is at the top of the list but out of all these 20 cities, 17 of them are Democrats. Correct. 17 of these cities are run by Democrats. Two of the cities, San Antonio and Las Vegas, are run by independent mayors. And only one, Jacksonville, Florida, is run by a Republican mayor. And Jacksonville, Florida, is the fourth one from the bottom
0: of the list. Correct. So as if I'm, if I'm just an innocent bystander viewer of said data, mm-hmm. this to me, would support an argument that the most violent cities in America are run by Democrats Democrats, because that's what your data is showing.
1: And then on the second, on the bottom part of the graph Mm -hmm. here, we've got per 10,000 residents, it's showing violence per 10,000 residents, Memphis, Tennessee, and that has always been a, a very hot spot for crime but now we've got 20 cities here so it's cutting the data a little bit differently in regards to 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 crime so we get some different cities that pop up because we're looking at per ten thousand residents and out of the 20 not one of them is a republican there 19 of them are democrats one is an independent and that's out of springfield missouri
0: that's correct so
1: what's what's funny here is uh, Philip Bump and the Washington Post bent over backwards to try to disprove the president. And in doing so, they kind of stubbed their toe and tripped over their own data and, in a sense,
0: made the president's point for him. Now, now, what I really don't understand, and, and I'm, this is genuine confusion, so please help me here. Mm-hmm. Because let's pretend I am an editor at the Washington Compost, or, or Post. Um, <laughs> and I... I read Mr. Bump's article as it comes across my desk and I'm the editor and my job is to basically uh, approve all of these articles for publication. Mm -hmm. And he says in his title that, and lays out a very detailed argument here, how um, that is just absolutely wrong and how dare that man say that. And I actually see the data come across my desk as the editor. How the heck do I not throw this back in his face and go? Either publish it as an editorial, because you don't have to prove anything in an editorial, and most of the Washington Post is an editorial anymore, yeah. um, or don't just don't include the data. What is wrong yeah. with you? I don't know how this. I
1: don't. I don't know how this got through through an editing process because as an editor, I would have thrown this out. I said, "Dude, you're making
0: you're making the president's point for us for him." Yeah. And but, you're gonna make us look like an idiot. But God bless the Washington Post for putting that out there, <laughs> um, which did source all this data uh, from, from the FBI. FBI uniform crime report that was yeah. January to June of 2019. So that's awesome. Isn't, isn't that Thank fantastic? You. And yeah. and they really they really actually put that out there. There was nothing after that that's saying, you know, I know the data looks bad. No, 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 they didn't do any of that. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. It's right. it's not really that way because we said so. It's, essentially, the what
1: they're host. essentially what they're trying to make they're trying to say is the president said all, one hundred percent. But look, we were able to pull some data and we showed that it wasn't all, one hundred percent. It was just the vast
0: majority of. No 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 no! no. Stop it! Stop <laughs> stop stop! And this is serious. Pull that back up because I believe, in the title of that article. He said, Trump said that the most violent cities. Now, the most, it can't be all if it's most. Uh, Where was it again? And he's right. In that regard, if, if Trump said all... I'd say no. I don't, I wouldn't believe that, but if you want to say the most The yeah. the article the article's title
1: is Trump keeps claiming that the most dangerous cities in America are all run by Democrats.
0: Oh, wait. So there was Okay, so he's not he's saying not the word, the word all in that is wrong. That the most ones are all run. You're right. correct. Out right. of 20, number 16 17 17 sorry of the most violent actually is a republican there is one in there yes um which if you actually look at the scale um and see how many (laughs) violent crimes are reported um new york is about six times as high as i believe that one and you said where was that jacksonville florida i think it was jacksonville okay jacksonville florida yes
1: jacksonville florida all right. So, and and again, this is not an indictment of. This is not me trying to uh, to defend uh, Republicans against Democrats or anything. This is a critique of the media. This this Absolutely. I'm talking about here is Absolutely. a critique against the media. This is a journalist who is going out there with a bias, creating an article that is just ludicrous that makes his own publication look r- redonkulous. Mm-hmm. and the editing editing team saying, "Yeah, it looks good. Let's run with it." And it's just. You well, know and and then the media wonders why nobody trusts them and then the no. media wonders why everybody thinks that they lack integrity and everybody wonders why the concept of fake news continues to
0: to churn its way through America's psyche but I'm I'm really glad for articles or being able to actually see things like this and remember this is not just some article off of some random um, you know, feed out there on some platform or some blogger put this up on some, you know, Washington post. This is the Washington post people. And this is exactly why we started this podcast to look at things critically. Be just think for a minute about what you're hearing if you're out there and you're gobbling stuff up whole just because it was on TV or in a, um, in the paper, you just, I mean, even just reading it, you don't have to be a deeper critical thinker to read through that and something go, what? wait, this doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I must have misread this. Let me do that again. This is happening everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Every everything that you guys are seeing out there on tv or in the media it's it's blatantly contradictory of itself yeah um yeah and you don't have to look hard to find it but you have to be willing to look at it yeah to see yeah it.
1: it's uh it's def- it's definitely a, a bit a, a bit ridiculous, i think <clears throat> um all right all right um You know, there's a, one of these days we're going to have to talk about, um, like white fragility and, uh, (laughs) racial identity politics, because I've got some doozies lined up that we got to, we, we should talk about that at some point just to make fun of, just to make fun of, uh, of some scholars. Oh, I'm, Um, I'm a pretty fragile white guy. Are you now? Yeah, well, didn't you know that about me? (laughs) I don't think we'll get into it. I don't think we'll, we don't, we we don't have to get into it.
0: Yeah, we don't have to get into that right now. That's not a good idea. Maybe that's not a good topic. (laughs) I I, I might do that on my own and not bring Jason along for the ride so that we might have three of our five uh, subscribers Uh, left out there.
1: Right, right. (laughs) We should definitely, uh, we should definitely talk about that at some point. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive into the topic here. Okay. About, is it better to be treated equally or fairly? Now, the reason why I came up with this topic, uh, this is a question that I actually ask a lot of, uh, a lot of people. That when I'm doing some kind of an interview um, for a job for a position, I've asked it of people interviewing me for a position. I've asked it of people whom I was interviewing to 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 say yes. Let's bring them onto the team. Um, and while I'm interviewing, interviewing them, I love to ask the question of, do you think it's better to be treated equally or do you think it's better to be treated fairly? When I ask it, it's not a, um, it's not a gotcha question. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to set somebody up. I don't have a specific answer that I'm looking for. Uh, I ask the question because I'm really interested in the person's thought process around how they evaluate it. And most of the time when I ask the question, people are often taken aback. They don't,
0: Imagine you know, that.
1: They, it was like a question that they weren't really, you know, how do I answer that? You know, there's right. nothing wrong with the question, um, but it certainly catches them off guard.
0: Yeah, it's not on your crib sheet for interview questions to prep right. for the night right. before, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting, I've probably in the, in the years that I've been asking this question, I think I've probably asked this question of maybe, oh gosh, maybe 70 or 80 people. And I'm not exaggerating, I'm not exaggerating. I've, I've asked out of about 70 or 80 people. Um, and, uh, you know, do you think it's better be, to be treated equally or fairly? And I have yet to have a single person say equally.
0: Why do you think that is, since you've got the most experience of the two of us?
1: Um, you know, it's really interesting. I compare and contrast that to sort of the zeitgeist of what's going on in the media. Right and and I think if you exist in the media bubble, uh, you think that you think that equality is a big thing, right? We see that right now with Black Lives Matter. We see that with Antifa. Um, We see that with with people who are studying race theory, for example, right? And they're putting out these things on race theory and white fragility and all this kind of stuff. And people love these the people that are pushing these kinds of ideas, they always speak about equality. Mm-hmm. Feminism is out there that's speaking about equality all the time. And so what I find interesting about it is I, you would think, well, if people are really living in that bubble, then they would probably right off the cuff, say equality. But the the majority of people that I, that I interview, that I speak to, they have not one single person has said equality. And they think about that. And they say, you know what, I would rather be treated fairly. And of course I always follow up with, well, why, why do you think that? Why would you prefer to be treated fairly as opposed to equally? Sure. And and they, you know, they go through they, you know, they go through a very um, a very cogent argument uh, and rationale and explanation about why they would rather be treated fairly, all of things of which I would agree. Um, And I kind of nod and say, okay, thank you very much. And I think at the end of the day, I think people recognize, I think the vast majority of Americans recognize that if, if I'm going to be treated exactly like you in term and meaning I'm going to be treated equally with you, I have different needs than you,
0: right? I have different
1: wants than you.
0: So I breaking it down to an individual level. And I think that's probably the key of where, where the disparaging, um, the disparity comes between when you're in an interview um, you're trying you're trying to interview for you. It's just you. you're not representing an entire um, race or an entire culture or a group of people all mm-hmm. of a sudden when we actually talk about a group because let me let me flip that around so let's just pretend and this is gonna sound terrible and this is why I'm doing it. so bear with me. you as an individual, you say you you think it'd be better to be treated uh, fairly for you now if I said, All right. Do you think it would be better for the Hispanics in America to be treated fairly or equally without answering the question and just leaving it sit out there? Just think about what that sounds like. Well, it's a political question. Exactly. And fairly, well, who gets to judge fair? What does that mean? Well, you think we're being treated fair now. Well, we're not, we need to be treated. That's where that all of a sudden, that entire thing switches Mm -hmm. and a whole race or a whole demographic or a whole culture now needs to be treated equally. But if you take it back down to the individual, we don't want to be treated equally. We want to be treated fairly.
1: Right. And I think, I think most people, most people in America, in my opinion, live at that individual level. I think people love to talk about or think about or postulate about groups of people, But when it comes right down to it, when it comes right down to it, at the end of the day, uh, people are, you know, they, they want, it's about themselves and what is right for them. And when we, when we look at what's right for them, I think a majority of people want to be treated fairly. And that's what people tell me. Now I will say this with this caveat, you know, we're talking about a lot of people who are, um, interviewing you know the vast majority of people that have told me this and have given me this explanation they're interviewing for a job correct so i have to recognize that you know what i don't know why they chose fairly i I didn't ask them i didn't have a lengthy conversation with them after the fact and um and really dig into their wants and desires to try to understand why they chose fairly they could it's very possible they could have picked fairly because at the time in given the specific context of a job interview they felt that that might be the most uh, correct one for, for me as the interviewer, sure. as
0: the interviewer. They may not have believed that, but they thought that's what you wanted to hear. It, it's possible. The, it's, it's, yeah. it's possible that that, that's how sure. they handle it. Um,
1: but given, given the vast number of people and their reactions to the question um, and, and you know, I'll even, I'll even tell them, I'll say, you know, there's, I'm not interested in a right or wrong answer. I'm interested in what you think um you know so hopefully that kind of dispels it dispels it a little bit but at the same time i've also asked this question of people who were interviewing me for a job and there's nothing riding on the line for them
0: right and uh and actually if if they have to figure out what kind of answer you want to hear they're probably going to say you know what thanks very much uh you know we'll don't call us we'll call you
1: exactly so, but they actually go through the process. I, again, I haven't had a single person tell me equally. I've had everybody tell me fairly. Now, me bringing that up is is not to try to say that I know what the vast majority of Americans think. That's just an, a, a hypothesis. I think it's an interesting hypothesis that could certainly deserve more exploration outside of an interview setting. Um, but I wanted I wanted to unpack that because I think it's a I think it's an interesting question, and sure. you know, what does it actually? What does it actually mean to be treated equally versus what does it mean to be treated fairly? So let's start with, what does it mean to be treated equally?
0: So equally means um, the exact same with no distinction or consideration of the person or situation. That is black and white. You know, Bob gets one, Sally gets one. Bob gets two, Sally gets two. That's it.
1: And I don't, and you know, I, I don't like, I don't like the, the outcomes of that. No. To be perfectly honest. I, and Nobody I think when does. people, I think when people stop and think about it, for example, you know, there's, there are a lot of situations, especially in a work environment where you could be treated equally mm-hmm. um, to your detriment.
0: It, it 90% of the time it is actually. So, okay. I'm going to start from the the back of the argument and I'm going to work all the way back to the front. Okay. <laughs> so you start it. My opinion, of course, I do believe that I would rather be treated fairly, and I think it, um, I try to treat others fairly. I don't treat people equally. Um, I've got a, a son and a daughter, and my wife and I have already had this discussion. I will treat them both fairly, and I will love each one of them individually as much, but I'm going to treat them both very different because they are very different. One's a boy, one's a girl, one's the oldest, one's the youngest. I, that's, they're going to be treated different.
1: They that's have their just, own different unique strengths going and weaknesses be and needs. People, uh, yeah.
0: to, for me yeah. to treat them equally would be unfair. Now, taking that a step further, I actually love debating equality especially with anybody who's got that on a sign and a post and they're marching out in front of city hall saying equality. Now equality now for whatever it is. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, uh, Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Bef- when he goes outside of the bar right before he's about to whip those five guys, he gives them the opportunity to walk away. Mm-hmm. And then he says, all right. <sighs> well, just remember. You wanted this. I really would like to say, okay, you want equality? Here it is. We are going to do equality. And we absolutely 100% clean slate, get rid of all of the special considerations for everybody. And everything is on the exact same level. That means um, when you are testing, let's say for the police academy, if you're a man or a woman, you do the exact same amount of push-ups. You run the mile in the exact same amount of time and you do all of that. You meet all of the same requirements. Same goes for the military. That happens when it comes to college. You have the exact same SAT requirements and the same scores and the same grades required of you, whether you are white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Latino, doesn't matter. Guess what? Same, same. There are no scholarships for anybody based on uh, racial inequality, income inequality or anything else. The cost of a set of a semester of school is X amount of of dollars per semester, period. That's it. That's what equality looks like. There is no special consideration for anyone. And I would challenge anybody out there who's actually sitting there with a sign saying equality. Now there is not a freaking chance you want equality. Because it does not look pretty for you.
1: Well, I think most people, when they say equality, I, I think they're, they have—I think they have a different, a different uh, concept of what that means well, in their head. Right. Sure. I think, I think what a lot of times people are thinking of is—is is they're misconstruing fairness with equality. Because true equality is really about at least the way that we've defined it in this country. And and I'm not talking about the people on the street, how they define it. I'm talking about how our institutions define equality. And that's typically, especially our, our government institutions anyway, our government institutions typically look at equality as be as you are equal. We are all equal in front of the law in the eyes of the law. You are equal. Which means if I murder somebody or you murder somebody, that the same types of penalty, penalties, right, the same types of due process, uh, you know, uh, f- to, to determine our fate, is going to apply. So that that equality of the law will be applied to us. Yeah, so we those are, are equal statutory the minimums
0: um, for a lot exactly. of crimes for that reason. Correct. Exactly,
1: yeah. and. But then there are people that I think that when they hear equality or what they're fighting for in terms of equality, and I think these are more of the people on the street. So we've got that institutionalized equality before the eyes of the law. And then you have the people on the street who are marching uh, for equality. And I think what they are trying to fight for is an equality of outcome, which is a lot different, which is a completely different thing. Right. Because, because they, they rile against the, the haves versus the have-nots. Mm-hmm. They, they get upset at the 1% of, of millionaires or 1% of the wealth holders, right? Versus the, the 99% in their words, right? To use their words, the 99% that don't have anything. Sure. Um, and so they, I think those people are really talking about equality of outcome as opposed to the equality of opportunity.
0: No, absolutely. And, and I'm all for having an equality, uh, equal opportunities. Absolutely. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm not out marching for getting rid of some of those uh, like scholarships. If you don't have the financial means to pay for a college or things like that. I believe that everybody should have opportunity to succeed, mm-hmm. the opportunity to to increase their their um, station in life, the opportunity to do well. But to say that equality of outcome is a right is, is ludicrous. E- equality of outcome is absolutely impossible. It's impossible. I, I made a, 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 a joke, serious joke, but it was a joke um, an episode or two back. It's been a while. Um, it was actually in our, in our discussion about mentoring because I was talking about, um, let's just pretend my son never grows up past five foot two, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he's a little chubby and he wants to go play basketball for the NBA. It's probably not going to happen for him. Now, I understand that there's the Steve Nashes and John Stockton's of the world who, and the Muggsy Bowes who actually made that work. You know what? Kudos for them. Um, but the likelihood is he is not going to be able to dunk a basketball like Patrick Ewing or mm-hmm. some of the other uh, basketball players out there in the, in the NBA. That would be wanting, uh, equality of outcome. Right. He's not going to have that, but that doesn't make me a terrible person for making him understand that. That makes right. me a good father. Um, and so do I think he should have the opportunity to go play sports and go do stuff and, and go learn and go seek an education and to be successful and to have a family? Yes. I think he should have the opportunity, but the responsibility for that lies on him to be able to obtain that if it's within his realm of possibility. And um, yeah. So do, am I for equal opportunity? Yes. Do I think equal outcomes are reasonable? No, they're not even possible. Well, and there are people that I think they they take the idea of fairness
1: and what they are, what they're doing is they're looking at the, they're, they're looking at the, at what they consider to be fair treatment as a way to correct the wrongs of pre-existing
0: inequalities. And that's, um, that's trying to say that uh, you don't want equality, you want exceptions. You don't want course. to be treated equally, you want to be treated exceptionally. You yes. want exceptions to be made for you for the sake of um, sins of the father or sins of the past, um, well, whatever those are perceived to be.
1: And'll give you and I'll give you an example of that we see this we see this heavily in at the university level so you have students many students have to go and they, they have to take the SAT test in order to uh, figure out where they stand and and a lot of colleges where they stand intellectually or, and knowledge wise and a lot of universities use SAT scores uh, to admit Uh, students into their universities and some schools say you have to have a, a high score and others will set the bar a little bit lower but um what's happening is what what uh what we're seeing across across the country is black students typically do poorer on sat scores than than whites that's not to say all of them You know there are there are black kids that study hard and they deserve every point that they get when they take that SAT. And there are many that there are some that score really really high and they're exceptional students and that's fantastic. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about when you look at the at the the average numbers of black students compared to white students, black students tend to do poorer on SATs than the white students do. Right. So of course this has created that sense of well we need to redress we need to We need to correct this inequality by being fair, and the way they want to change that is they want to lower the bar for some of these for the black students or give them bonus points so to speak to raise their scores up and and basically give them you know give them a, a
0: handicap for being black well and that's 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 not fair sorry to say but that's not right for them nor is it and i'll flip it on the other side of the argument um and i think i was talking to uh, to you about this before you know the the asian demographic um traditionally scores extremely high on the sat yeah they even outperform the whites they they, they are i believe the highest uh, yeah. of, of all demographics for actually uh, sat scores yeah. and now the the colleges are having such a high influx of Asian students into there. They're actually being asked to raise that minimum acceptance level for, for Asians. Asians. It's that's disgusting. Not, that's terrible. It's I, absolutely terrible. No matter terrible. how you slice that, it's absolutely it, it's it's wrong. Yeah, it's abso- It's it's
1: it's absolutely terrible. Um, you know, and a lot of a lot of this. You know, a, a lot of this stems from a lot of the acceptance that teachers have on, on black kids or kids of, of, of color. You know, when I was, when I was teaching college classes, I was teaching college in in most of the students that came through my classroom were from very economically depressed parts of town and they would take my class. And I was, I was told, by numerous students during my time there, that I was the one teacher that they had had um, that actually challenged them and encouraged them to do better and, and the vast majority of students that came from get, came through my class would find me in the hallways um, and they you know even after they were done taking my class and they would say, "You were one of my favorite teachers because you were the only one who challenged me, I would have students all the time." tell me why didn't why wasn't I ever treated this way when I was in high school? These kids don't know any better because they've been treated this way for so long because a vast majority of their instructors, I'm not talking about all instructors, but the instructors that these kids typically saw, the instructors saw them as being incapable of doing the work and really what these students needed is they needed instructors who believed in them and who are willing to set goals for them and willing to set a standard and say, you can meet this because I just know you can
0: meet that. And these kids rose to that challenge. Sure. Well, and you know, this, this is the same issue we have. And I know this is going to sound rudimentary, but I apologize. Um, We don't hand out trophies to the winners. We hand out trophies to everybody. Everybody gets their participation trophy. We don't challenge anyone um, in the elementary, middle school, high school levels, to actually, you will do this, and you need to rise up and study to make the grade, or you will be held back. We don't fail anybody out of school anymore. Right. We, I mean, that just doesn't happen because it's going to be um, psychologically damaging to them, and what that's going to do for their peers and their development. You know what? There's a lot of kids that probably could learn a heck of a lot more from going, Oh my gosh, this is real. I need to step up and and do this and take that hard knock of being held back a year so that I can go, okay, that's this playtime's over. You know, this is real and learn from that. Those are real life lessons. School is not about just learning that two plus two equals four. Yeah. It's about learning how to think, how to take responsibility for yourself and your own actions to take the work that's assigned to you and make it your own priority to complete that. That's, that's learning how to go through life. Um, I mean, how's a boss going to handle somebody like that when they say, well, sorry, I gave you a a specific task. You had a deadline to meet. You didn't even get started, let alone fail to meet it. Um, You're gone. You're fired.
1: You know, and there, there are some people that look at equality as, as like an equal the, the an equal probability of of outcome and that becomes the definition of fairness. So in other words, if they're looking at they want to be treated fairly, but fair to them means they have uh, the equal probability of being successful in a given thing, and that's that too in and of itself is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no, that's absurd.
1: Because because you know I'm not a hockey player. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I can I can barely just remain upright on a pair of of ice skates,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that doesn't mean that I had a barrier that there was an it, it, there, that I was discriminated against from learning how to skate. That the thought never crossed my mind. No. And there are some people that are really good at it, and they had the opportunity to achieve that. So there was never a barrier. There 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 doesn't need to be an equal probability of me becoming a an ice skater, a, a well ice skater, a good ice skater, so that I can play hockey. Um, that is a that is a that is a, a, a warped sense of fairness and equality as well.
0: Sorry, I, I had a warped sense of imagery seeing you on ice skates actually around the hockey rink. That that's that's pretty warped in and of itself. Well, and you know, um, <laughs> yeah, Paul. Actually, your, your good buddy Paul talked about something like this when we were talking about art, because he mm-hmm. described art as a skill, not a talent. So it's not something that you're born with. Now, I still I still argue with him on that. I think some people are, are naturally talented in that arena. However, I can appreciate that that talent goes to waste if you don't develop it like a skill. But that being said, you know, he talked about how he didn't do anything else growing up but draw. And now he is an artist. Well, if I'm going to go to art school at 30 and I did everything else but draw that whole time, and I, I'm barely getting stick figures down because they're a little bit more complicated than I thought um, I'm behind the A-ball. If I still want to do that, and that is still I still have the opportunity, obviously, you know, I'm in art school, I'm, just, I'm going through it. But to say that I'm going to be able to have the same easygoing time as somebody like Paul may have, and that's not to take away from Paul's you know, work that he put in, I'm going to have to work five times as hard to get close to the same outcome that Paul may. Because Paul's been doing it for you know, 20, 30 years. I mean, that's just reasonable to understand and expect, or it should be.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, but people don't look at it in terms of like doing art, right? The development of a skill, they look at it in terms of, of just doing an office job.
0: No, I'm, I'm in a have not position.
1: Right. And so, you know, there are a lot of, there are people that, um, you know, they just graduated college, they have no work experience and yet they're holding out for that managerial or managerial or directorship, um, you know, even though they don't have any, any, anything to back that up with, right. They're just holding out for that because they went to uh they went to a good school or something like that. Right. Um, and because what they want is they want that, that equality or they want to be treated with that same level of dignity and respect that somebody who has already had 20 years worth of work experience behind them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they don't understand that, well, well, you're nowhere in their league. You're not comparable to their skill set, their knowledge and the talents that they can bring to the table. Yeah. Um, And you have to develop those just like you have to develop your skills in, in artwork. And so what's, what's frustrating, what frustrates me is when people start saying, well, We need to be fair and we, or, and, or we need to treat everybody equally, right? We need to have, we need to have everybody in an, in an office setting, making all the exact same amount of money as the the high VPs or directorship or manager, you know, give everybody needs to have that same, the equal level of responsibility, equal level of pay, equal level of benefits and, and all of that, because we're all working for the same company in the same office space. And that, quite frankly, is just absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah, well, and there's a way to do that. There is a way to do that. Um, You actually take everybody. So the only way to make the entire social structure, the uh, class um, classes, if you will, especially in the workplace, equal, you're not going to be able to physically bring everybody in the lowest class, so to speak, up to that level. The only way to do that is to bring everyone else down right? because just if you think about any other um, company, any organization, if you are employed, you've seen an organizational chart. There is one guy always at the top who has a handful of minions over here and then they've got their 30 minions over here and then slowly and then usually when you you see that organizational chart during your orientation to the company that you're going to work for. And after about 50 levels of growth, you see, oh, here's me way down here at the bottom. Now, if you're like most people, you go, well, that means I got a lot of work to do to start climbing that proverbial ladder before I can get to right about here's good because I don't want to be that guy up at the top. Yeah, he makes nine times what I probably ever will. But there's a reason for that because he's got all those other people that he's in charge of. And you know what, when something goes wrong, it all goes back up to that guy. I don't want that. Um, but I'm not going to be down here. And thank you for hiring me for this position, but how come I'm not making as much as that guy up there? That's not fair. Right. Uh, n- no, not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's not going to happen. You know, I
0: owe to the logic jar again to <laughs> darn it. Let me get my wallet. I left it out here. There's another dollar.
1: You know, and a lot of times people, we, we typically see this because of, um, because of income. We, we typically see when it's, whether it's coming from, from feminists or it's coming from Black Lives Matter or it's coming from Antifa or whatever, we typically see the, the cries for equality to be treated fairly uh, in a negative way. I'm, I'm referring to like the equality of the probability of outcome and all of that in terms of being fair we we tend to hear that because people keep using things like well or phrases like i just want a livable wage or yeah. a living wage right
0: i heard a lot of that during the whole red for ed thing which was really interesting uh,
1: uh, the big red for ed thing was a big thing here several states throughout the united states were doing the whole red for ed mm-hmm. um teachers were lamenting that they were not making enough money and they needed to make more money
0: um oh gosh uh, yeah, we, we could do a whole, uh, yeah. Uh, I I love <laughs> teachers. I really do love teachers. I'm going to say that about four or five times. I love teachers. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know another profession in the entire country where you can actually just not show up for contracted work and keep your job. I also don't know any other profession out there that you can get paid to uh, not work for three months and keep your job.
1: Well, it's even more egregious. It's even more egregious (laughs) in cities like New York City, for example. So New York City is one of the hardest places for school boards to fire teachers, bad teachers. There are many teachers within the New York school system that deserve to be fired, that they should be fired. And the school board even school boards even recognize, yes, this is a terrible teacher. I'm ta- again, I'm not talking about the good teachers that happen to be right, in New York right, City. I'm right. talking about the bad ones, the bad ones that should absolutely be fired from their jobs. But because of their of their teachers' unions, they can't be fired. And the school boards can't fire them. They can't be moved around or anything. And so they they go and sit in like a it's like a community center type of type of an environment. And every day these bad teachers who get relegated to the community center, so to speak. They show up first thing in the morning, like by eight o'clock in the morning, and they read books, they play cards, they hang out, they talk to one another, and then by four o'clock they leave for the rest of the day because they have to. Sh- they have to under the guidelines and the rules of the unions that they have and the the contracts that the unions have signed with the cities. The school districts cannot fire the the teachers. The school districts must continue to pay these these teachers, but they're too bad. To be in the classroom, so they send them to basically sit and do nothing all day and they have to show up because if they don't show up then they can't get paid that's why they actually show up to the community center because for them that is actually work and there are some teachers that have been involved in that have been doing this for years because it wow. can't be fired that's a problem that yeah. and that and yet and yet we're treating them we're allegedly treating them fairly. I don't fairly, think we're treating them fairly at all. No, we're not, no. And we're not treating the taxpayers no. of the that city fairly as nobody, well. Nobody
0: cares about that part of it.
1: I mean, what's um, fair, what's, is it fair to the taxpayers to continue to pay money into a school system where the dollars are not actually being used the way that the people want the dollars to be used? Is it what? fair to the taxpayers to pay these teachers tens of thousands of dollars every year per person? to sit in a room and play pinochle all day? Is well, it fair to them? Absolutely it, not.
0: Is, was it fair to parents to, to try and figure out how they're gonna be able to work and take care of their school-aged children because the school's closed down because the teachers decided they just wanted to go on strike because they weren't happy with their working conditions? Is that fair? Uh, I, like I said, I can get on that all day and I apologize for taking us down the sidetrack.
1: What, what, what irritates me about the, the whole thing with, with teachers, and I tell this of anybody, um, I've had to have the sa- I've had to look myself in the mirror and have the same conversation in my own head about this. Mm-hmm. If you're so miserable, if you're so miserable, or if you really are legitimately being treated unfairly in your workplace, because you're just you're a teacher and you're not getting paid what you think you're worth. I know. I know plenty of teachers who they not only have a bachelor's degree, but they went and got a, a master's degree so they could make more money and secure their place in the teaching hierarchy in their school systems and they still complain that they don't get paid uh fairly right sure. they don't have a living wage well then quit yeah <laughs> then quit you have that choice that choice remains an option right. for you that, that's equality and go of do something opportunity else. exists Absolutely. for you 100 go do something else yeah. i've had and and i tell people that because i've had to do that i've had to do that where i think you know what I don't think I'm able to advance more in my career where I'm currently at. There's nothing here for me anymore. There's nothing good for me to do there. I've kind of run the course as far as what I can achieve here. Um, And I had to have those conversations with myself and say, self, I think it's time I need to move on and I need to weigh that decision. And yet some of these teachers continue to teach, you know, 10 years after being told that, well, you can quit and they don't want to quit.
0: No, I don't have any sympathy for you. That takes the actual effort and gumption to, again, do the work. This is real. I need to do it. This is my assignment. I've got to take care of it. Um, It's no different than the kid being held back a year in school. You have to be able to say, to look yourself in the mirror, and I'm going to use your word, hey, self, um, it's time to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and make a change if you're that unhappy. Let's go. Nobody else is going to do this for you. And that's the key point right there is where I think we were talking about this, this fairness versus equality. The idea of when I, when I'm out marching and shouting for equality, I want somebody else to make my life better for me without having to do anything to get there. Right. If I say I want to be treated fairly, I want the opportunity to show you that I can do this as good, if not better than the next person over here. Cause that's the opportunity I want. That's what I, that's the, the um, opportunity afforded to me that I need to be able to prove. And that's, there's a lot of I, I, I in there and nobody that is out there marching and shouting equality ever wants that for themselves. They want everyone else to do it for them. That's the biggest difference I think between equality and fairness.
1: Well the the other thing that really irritates me in in terms of, you know, the these these concepts these arguments that protesters typically have about being treated fairly versus equally. You know, I see these college students that um that march and they get really angry over the 1%, right? And they they're marching because they want a job. And and I you know, back when the whole 99 the 99%ers 99 occupy the occupy movements oh, yeah, yeah, If you remember yeah. that a few mm-hmm. years ago, yep, there yep. were a lot of students, a lot of college graduates who were newly minted college graduates who were walking in these Occupy movements. Um, and I remember watching interviews with, with a lot of those uh, recent graduates and many of those graduates complained that they had a hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt and they couldn't get a job. And uh, well, I don't have a lot of sympathy. I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy. You can't, you just because, you know, and to some degree, I think our society has, has sold college students a load of crap.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Get your degree and you get, you, you're going to make a hundred thousand a year. Yeah.
1: Our society has, has continuously told young people this go Mm -hmm. to college, you'll be successful if you go to college. Now, Yes, there are statistics that show that college graduates typically make more money over the over the span of a career than than somebody with just a, a high school diploma or
0: somebody mm-hmm. without a high school diploma. But that's not that that doesn't that's not true for one hundred percent. Well, no, and like when we talked about whether college um, it has value in our society, I think mm-hmm. that was what episode two somewhere in there, somewhere in there early. Um, I, I still believe that that degree can open a door for sure. you that that's might okay. otherwise be closed, but that is not going to get you an automatic in, in a management position or CEO of some company that's going to pay you hundred thousand dollars with zero experience. Not going to have, so, you correct. still have to be willing to do that.
1: So we have these we have these young graduates who have been have been sold this bill of goods by society saying go to go to go to the university and get a degree. And so what they did was they went to the university and they got, um, you know, they got ridiculous degrees. And right. Just,
0: Underwater like, basket weaving, you with know, social services, mask, you know. Well,
1: <laughs> well if you're I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're going to go to a university and you're going to take out one hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and major in something like feminist studies or classical studies, even. Right you're, you're not going to get a job. I'm just, right. you know, you're not going to be marketable. You're not going to have any skills coming out of that. You know? And, and the, the reality is, is if you're going into something and there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with feminist studies or classical studies, mm-hmm. but you have to recognize that you can't just go and get the bachelor's degree for that. you got to, you're basically trying to build a career in academia, which means you got to put on more and more pile on more and more student loan debt. If you really want to do something in that particular field, And so now these students have $100,000, in some cases $200,000 worth of student loan debt. They can't get a job because they, you know, what are they gonna do? They can't, they know nothing about finance. They know nothing about business. They know nothing about, you know, uh, entrepreneurship. They know, they know nothing. They know a lot about classical studies. They know a lot about, you know, Ovid. Great, (laughs) right? Uh, and, And, You know, I I think what we have to do as a society is we have to tell students, look, you can, what you need to do is you need to look at the ROI of getting a college degree. Yes. Okay. If you're going to make a hundred thousand, if you're going to have a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt, then go get a degree that's going to pay dividends on your education. Go, you know, and that usually falls in, in, in the STEM categories, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. And yeah. But a, there are a lot of students who don't want to study those kinds of degrees because well, no, it's they're too boring. Hard.
0: Well, and it's they're too boring. hard. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, you know, it, again, if if you want to go do get a classical studies degree, great, that's cool. I'm good for that. But what are you going to do to make money? Um, it, There was, what, I I don't know whether it was a, it was a, I want to say it was a progressive commercial. No, Geico couldn't uh, help you from becoming your parents. That's, that was one of the things. These people are sitting at a a restaurant, right? And the waitress comes up and she's in college and she's getting her, her degree in art or something like that. And the lady there goes, oh, that's great. Have you thought about how you're going to make money? You know, Uh, Geico can't save you from becoming your parents or whatever it was, you know? (laughs) So I. And I always laugh at that, but that's, yes. Could I hear my parents saying that? Yeah. And you know what? Thank God they did. Yeah. Thank God they did. Somebody needs to be able to come to these students and go, okay, you want to take a $100,000 loan out in feminist studies. Great. What are you thinking about actually doing with your degree? And that's not saying that's a dumb degree, but if you can't answer, what is your plan? Even if you have a plan, have an, at least an idea where you're going with some of that stuff. I mean, and so take all of the isms out of all that. I don't care if you're getting a degree in underwater basket weaving. You know what? That's cool, man. You know, and, and right now, I don't think there's a huge uh, supply of underwater basket weavers out there. You may be able to corner the market. Well, but is there a market for that too? It's, these are just very simple questions. The opportunities are there, but you've got to be willing to make it happen.
1: Well you know and a lot of these a lot of this equality and fairness and these kinds of occupy movement marches and things they they revolve around income. and you know there's a there is a way and it's there is data that supports it that that you know breaks down what people need to do to get out of poverty and join the middle class of, of America. And, and there are, um, there's essentially three rules. And economists have been looking at this and studying this for decades. And, they, and they, there's tremendous data to support it and consensus that drives it. And that is, there are three rules to get out of poverty and join the middle class. And the first one, the first rule is finish high school. Finish high school have a high school education. It doesn't, it doesn't say get a high school diploma per se. It just says get a high school education.
0: So that's high school diploma or GED
1: or GED finish high school is the first rule. The second rule is work full-time. Fair. Go get a job working, even if it's at McDonald's, but work full-time or if you're, if you're unable to get a single full-time job, then go get two part-time jobs. There you go right? So that you're working, you're essentially pull
0: in 40 hours a week.
1: Yeah. That's the second rule. And then the third rule, um, is wait until the age of 21 at minimum before you get married. And along with that rule is also don't have a baby before marriage. Okay. If you follow, if you follow those three simple, those three simple rules, then the odds are, and the odds are overwhelming to the tune of about 72% likelihood that you will leave
0: poverty and join the middle class. Yep. That's fair. And I, I, hi, I'm, I'm middle class America right here. Yeah, but, but But nobody wants to be middle class. That's what you're missing. That's the biggest, everybody's got the idea. Well, Equality means I should be upper, um, I should be in the, the highest class because they are. So why can't I? That should, that's equal. No, no.
1: So I think there's a, I think there's a, a, a deeper problem that's rooted in our society. And I think it poisons people minds to get them to constantly think about this thing about equality. Okay. And I think, I think the thing that poisons our minds is that in our society, we tend to look at what others have and be envious of what they have. Oh, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Um, and it, I think that it,
1: drives, uh, I think that drives all of this. If we taught people and we reinforced in our culture not to be envious of the things that other people have, I think people could find happiness even if they didn't make as much money, even if they weren't part of the 1%, right? But of course, all of this trickles into things like, well, millionaires need to pay their fair share. Sure, yeah. You know, millionaires do pay their fair share.
0: Well, and we talk about fair, again, if you really want equality, Oh my gosh! What is it? The top? Would they say one percent of earners pay forty-five percent of all ta- of all taxes in this country? Yeah. Do you want to know what this country would look like if the top one percent only paid their the exact same wage-based uh, bracket that you do as far as taxable income goes? Oh my gosh! We'd have no money in in that just overnight. So don't. T-
1: it, and, that, uh, and that's a and that's a bogus argument anyway. because Of having the millionaires pay fair share, you know. There was who was it? Bernie Madoff said that uh, his secretary paid more percentage in taxes than he did. I think that's what he said, something along those lines. I think he was the one. Okay, or was it? <sighs> might might not have been it, Bernie Madoff. Yeah. I think it was somebody else. Actually, now that I think about it. Um, anyway, but because it, that's a bunch of that. That's just absolutely ludicrous. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these executives. Yes, there are executives that have million dollar uh, incomes. um, But when you break it down in how they actually get paid, often a lot of executives, for example, in business, don't get paid a straight, they don't get paid their $10 million, uh, take their $10 million in income as a straight up paycheck. No. Um, So when people say, well, we need to raise the taxes. know, we need to raise income taxes. This is what this is the this is the issue that I have with Congress, right? Because Congress says, absolutely, let's do that. Right? Let's raise the income because they know nobody's going to get hit by it. Nobody's going to get touched by it because very, very few millionaires have a paycheck that's in the, they get paid through other things. They get paid through stocks and dividends and investments right, right. and investment opportunities and mm-hmm. such. And so if you raise the income tax, income taxes on the amount of money taken out of their paycheck, they don't make enough. They're, the ten, they're not getting a $10 million paycheck divided over, over 52 weeks.
0: Right. Right. And it, it's the same, that's the same basis of the argument for even raising the minimum wage, which I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand how anybody out there, um, Uh, at least the people who usually contribute to the logic jar anyway, um, can actually look at the whole idea of raising the minimum wage and say that that is in any way good for anyone. You're you're just driving the cost of everything up, which means that the um, job that was paying you $10 and now is paying you $15, that $15 doesn't go a third as far as the $10 did before because everything's gone up exponentially since. And how that doesn't make sense for everybody, I just don't get.
1: Well, the, 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 fairest, the fairest wage is $0 that's the right. fairest, that's the fairest wage because what people fail to understand is even if you're making $0, you're still learning something. And, and there was a time, I think now it's illegal. I think even interns now have to have some kind of hourly wage or salary, um, in order to work. It used to be that interns never got paid. Interns right. worked for $0, dollars, zero 0 right. payment, but what they did earn, during that time was experience and they did earn connections with other people in their industry and in their field.
0: Well, and and that lent a lot more on a, on a resume to another job that you did your internship with, you know, ABC law firm or whatever it might be. They're like, Oh my gosh, you've got, you know, five years of experience or whatever it is under your belt already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Welcome aboard.
1: And many, and many interns were in, you know, in the past and even today are still awarded, um, a job when they finish school uh, working with the company with whom they interned well and because a, they know, know the people the company knows yeah. them and they said well i don't want to let this person go they're teachable and they they have a lot of great qualities yep. and skills and and they already know now they already know my business so i'm going to hire them in
0: and, and uh, we've got some potential interns even in my work right now and that's one of the options that we've got is actually the uh, first option to hire you know mm-hmm, if we had mm-hmm. somebody in there and that they're doing a great job and it's like gosh what I don't want to have to make you go through all this stuff. Yeah. We just basically sign you up as soon as your internship's over. Welcome aboard. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's a, that's a foot in the door. That's worth its weight in gold already.
1: You know, I I want to touch on because you brought up the whole, um, you know, why people don't understand how raising the minimum wage negatively impacts okay pricing and things like that and I think that's a great opportunity even though I think it might be a little bit divergent but I think it's a great opportunity since you brought it you open the door to try to explain that to people Um, I think the biggest thing that people fail to understand or fail to realize is that your wage a wage of a particular worker is really the price on that labor Mm -hmm. so rather than thinking of it in terms of wages. Uh, or a salary, we need, people need to think of it in terms of price. It's the price to, for somebody's labor. And when we refer to it in price, I think most people tend to understand prices better. They understand, most people tend to understand supply and demand. They tend to understand that if there's a high supply that that forces prices to be lower. Correct. Um, if there's a high supply but low demand, right, the prices will, will change and, and, and all of that. And so, when we increase, when we naturally increase the the wages or inflate those wages, uh, especially for minimum wage earners, what ends up happening is you're increasing the price on their labor. Right. And so, when you have these companies that hire in those la- those low wage earners, you've now increased their the, those those managerial prices, the the prices on those managers, and. Like anybody, when a price of a commodity or an object goes up, people tend to go, well, I don't need so much of that anymore.
0: Right. Right. Well, and, and if you want to change it to, uh, let's say cost uh, for a better way, maybe to even understand that too. So, uh, And I'll pick on, um, we'll just say burger joint A, okay? If you go to, to the burger joint, that hamburger might cost uh, that company, you know, a dollar to make because it's not just the beef and the lettuce and tomato and onion and ketchup and mayo and the bun but it's also the cooks that are there the people working the drive through window and the counter every for for that 10 minutes or whatever it is that that burger was actually being prepared all of the cost of everything that that place paid for that one burger to be created that's your set cost well that's What's also
1: doing? electricity that's also everything. lease space right. it's, it's all right, about
0: right right so when you increase the cost of Labor, uh, labor. just those, let's say there's even only two people and you raise it by $5 per hour. Now for that one hour, it costs you $10 more. And that's just for your slice of it. Not to mention the beef that you got, the tomato that you got, the lettuce you got, the hamburger, of the bun, because they all have places that now their costs have gone up. So that do- that hamburger that cost you, as the owner of that business, a dollar to make, which you were selling for $299, now costs you five dollars just to even get there. Guess what? That hamburger now costs ten bucks. When's the last time you went to a fast food place and were willing to pay ten dollars for a hamburger? You're not. So now the demand goes for that, and guess what's gonna happen? Now those people start losing their jobs because if I've got to pay that much and I've got to bring my price point down so it's palatable to the consumer, so yeah, my prices on a uh, Big Mac Whopper, you know, s- you know, single stack or whatever it wants, it's now maybe I can't go from two ninety nine all the way up to ten, but I can absorb a lot of that in the price and only make it five ninety nine, but that means I've got to do it with one person instead of the three that I had there. So now you make the workplace conditions terrible. You put two people out of job and, and you're still complaining about the price of a hamburger when you go, because you're one of those people that got to let go of your job because they can't afford to keep you.
1: Well, and, and when those costs go up on the, on the company um, you know, there are a lot of companies that have done this. They, you know, yeah. the minimum wage goes up and then what they end up doing is the, you know, the, the company looks at the, their total costs, as you said, and they say, well, our total costs have now increased. And so what we need to do is we need to cut back on the hours. So when, yeah, you may have been working for me and making, you know, uh, working 35 hours a week, but now I'm going to cut your shifts back and you're only going to work no more than like, let's say 20, 28 hours a week or 30 hours a week instead. So now you're losing on, you're losing out on your income and, and in interviews with people where they're, they're, they're working minimum wage and their minimum wage increased their actual overall take-home pay decreased because their hours were cut.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Or they were the lowest tenured employee and they got cut mm-hmm. entirely. And that's happened. Uh, it's, and, and not to mention that you've got other people who were just climbing out of that minimum wage group and starting to actually make headway. Um, and all of a sudden now their entry-level people are making the same, if not even more than what they were. And they're like, to heck with this. Right. I can I can leave and be the entry-level person at the next burger stand down the way and actually make more money um, than come to find out they got cut. And it's it's absolutely terrible. And and don't think for one minute that the people who are actually sitting at a desk who get these bills and all these ideas coming across their way don't know dang good and well what everybody out there marching is actually asking for and what it's going to mean. Mm-hmm. Because to them, it doesn't affect them. Yeah, Matter And in fact, it's it actually helps because it gets to line their pockets. The more prices go up, in uh, wages go up, taxes go up, who gets paid based on tax revenue? Mm-hmm. That would be the people that go. Yeah, yeah, we approve that bill.
1: Well, and that's what a lot of people I think don't realize is is you increase if you increase the minimum wage uh, the minimum wage per hour, um, it's essentially a backdoor tax. It's a backdoor tax on income because it inflates wages and those people pay more in taxes. And so, um, you know, governments can, can recoup in, 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 you know, the idea is they can recoup more money, um, through the, through the taxation of those higher wages without actually having to raise taxes on right. wage earners. Right. So it's a, it's a backdoor tax.
0: It's a yeah. type of backdoor tax. It's it, and it's disgusting. And, um, unfortunately
1: all in the name of fairness remember because it's about a livable wage no it's about equivalent. earning yeah. a fair wage yeah yeah and so we just dis- we destroy people's ability to actually make earn that wage mm-hmm. so all in the name of fairness
0: yep yep way to go good job
1: and yeah. guess good what job, everybody
0: there's no way back you don't <laughs> when's Great. the last have you ever seen minimum wage go down uh, no nope. and yeah. you won't so yeah, that gallon of milk that you get excited about because it's on sale for $299. See ya.
1: So I need to apologize to our listeners. Uh oh. I need to apologize to our listeners. You know, when I when I first put together the you know, thought of the idea of doing this particular topic and talking about fairness and equality. Um I had no intention of talking about um you know poverty or talking about um racial differences in doing that um I think it kind of happened simply because of I think that's a it's a reflection of how crazy things have become uh in our own society with regard to uh to race relations, and so that was not my intention was to talk about you know look all of this kind of stuff and and compare it and contrast in terms of fairness and equality. So I, I'm, I'm actually surprised <laughs> that we went there. That it it went there.
0: Well, I I, I am, but I'm not. I I think um yeah. Well, when you and I first talked about e- equality and fairness, I, I don't think either one of us had that in mind. But yes, there's been a such a heavy inundation um, with the well the the social inequality aspect that's being shouted from the rooftops out there right now. Um, a it doesn't surprise me that that's where our discussion kind of went down. Um, I think when we first talked about this was even something as simple as uh, the idea that the grass is always greener on the other side.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: why does my neighbor get to have the boat and the camper and the always gone on vacation and doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm scrimping and saving, trying to just make ends meet. That's not fair. I think that's kind of really where we were first looking at this and and mm-hmm. really, I guess trying to really get everybody to take a look at all the things we actually do have, you know, I'm, I don't have a huge wage. You, you, your wage outranks me by a lot. Uh, But you know what? I make a, I make a fair wage for what I do. I have, I have some perks in my job Um, and I'm, I'm truly blessed and and I'm grateful for that. Um, I've got a beautiful family a nice home um, and, and a good job. And, you know, I'm, I'm really blessed in a lot of the things in my life. And, and yeah, you know, I, I see my neighbor or uh, one of our brothers right over here gets a new camper and I'm like, man, that guy, man, you gotta be kidding me. I, I want a camper. How come I don't get a camper? And that old Saturday night life skit, you know, where's my stuff? I want stuff, but that's just stuff. That's, that's, that's not the value that I, that I look to in my life to really uplift me. And, and I've got a lot to really be thankful for. And uh, I don't need to look outside of my, my yard to really see a lot of the blessings in my life. So. Well, I think
1: people need to have a holy grail. I, I really do. And what I mean by that
0: is I think people,
1: if, if, if people try to figure out what is the holy grail that you want to go after, and I'm not talking about material possessions. I'm talking about what is it that you want to accomplish in life that um, is going to enhance you spiritually, uh, emotionally, and psychologically. Go after that. And, and I'll, so I'll use an example. If, if, what, if your holy grail is to help others by healing them, okay, okay? You want to be able to heal them you want them to you want to give them a better quality of life for the sick right then you might pursue something like becoming a medical medical doctor now you might reap really high rewards for doing that especially if you become specialized in um, like uh, cardiovascular surgery or neurosurgery for example you're going to make a lot of money but if you're pursuing it not because of the material gains but you're pursuing it because you truly have a calling to heal the sick because that is what makes you fulfilled, then you'll reap the rewards. But if you truly have a calling to become an artist and let's face it, it's hard to make money as an artist. I think our, I think every artist will probably agree. Or <laughs> if you say, you know, I'm, I have a true calling to be a teacher, yep. right? Uh, there are people who do that. Everybody knows that teachers make crap for, for, For income, everybody knows this, right? It's always been as far as for as long as I've been alive. Everybody has always said teachers don't make that much money, but if that's your calling, you're not going to make a lot of money. But that doesn't matter. So you know, if if you can learn to, if if we can teach people to to focus on those holy grails and be happy based on achieving the holy grail, not in terms of material wealth, then it doesn't matter what you get paid. If you get paid little, well, then you get paid little. If you get paid a lot, well, then you get paid a lot. But guess what? Even if you get paid a lot and you happen to lose it, you're still not going to be upset over it because you're following, you're pursuing your own holy grail.
0: Yeah. And you know that I I really do believe in the adage, you know, make more, spend more. Um, Money is not going to buy happiness. Sorry to say. It, It might be a really good means for you to buy the things and get the things that might happiness for you, but they're short-lived, in my opinion. That's mine.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. People tend to spend um, in proportion to the amount of money they make. And so there are people who don't have a lot of money who say, well, if only I had a lot of money, then I would be content. Well, the truth is most people would still spend the money that they have. Um, and, and just because you happen to be a, a very successful neurosurgeon making, you know, several millions of dollars a year, if that, um, there are those who people who make that kind of money and they still have money troubles.
0: Yeah. And, and don't, uh, I can tell you firsthand, there's a lot of, uh, medical professionals. We'll talk about surgeons and, um, doctors out there who literally went bankrupt just in the last four months. You, I mean, you never know when that kind of stuff happens. And, and yeah, because they, they spend based on their income. Most people do. It's not saying that, that people that make lots of money are not um, frugal with their money either, but it's just the reality. And, you know, um, don't look for money. Don't look for the zeros to tell you if you're happy or not. Don't look over your fence to see what everyone else has to tell you what you think you need, what's equal or fair turn around, <coughs> look in your own windows. You so I'd be surprised.
1: You know, we got on the, we got on the topic of, of of with poverty and, and, and race relations in terms of equality and fairness for a little bit. I know we just kind of tap danced around those, those different concepts. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's a problem. And I think in our society um, we are starting to explode in race relations right now for the negative. Um, I have an article here. It was a, it's a peer reviewed article. It's an academic article. And the title of the article is beyond the face of race, emo cognitive explorations of white neurosis and racial cray cray. That's the title. (laughs) Okay. And I think this is very dangerous. I think we're entering into a very dangerous period of our, of our, um, of our culture and our society because of articles like this. One of the authors of this article, um, is a woman named Robin DiAngelo and Robin DiAngelo. She recently wrote a very successful, very, uh, I think it was on, I don't know if it took number one on the New York times bestseller, but it's been up there in terms of bestsellers. She's making a ton of money over it. Good for her. Um, but she wrote a book called white fragility and, um, and Robin DiAngelo, her, her entire thesis for the work that she does is that, that uh, whites have unconscious bias and, and that is really just another way of saying, well, you're racist no matter what you say or no matter what you do, you will always be racist because I will always be able to get to judge you for that oh, because you're white. Right.
0: No, and, and that's what we're saying. I can or what almost she agree says, with that, um, that premise because I hear that all the time Yeah, uh, or we all do.
1: Um, what, what I find really dangerous about this particular article that she wrote here, Beyond the Face of Race, um, she was a co-author. So there was another author, Cheryl E. Matthias. I don't know how to pronounce the name. I always screw up people's names. Um, essentially, what, what they talk about is their frustrations in talking about difficult concepts related to race with white people. and in their scholarship, in their their scholarship scholarship mm-hmm. um, they they talk about how they when you approach a white person and you challenge them on issues of race, that the white person will become defensive. Imagine that, and well, I don't want to talk about this. They become really defensive um, in some cases, they might become angry, and this is what causes people of color to become cray cray because it drives them nuts that the white, the white person cannot talk about these very difficult issues. What they admit of doing in their article is essentially walking up and attacking somebody verbally and at least confronting them on these very difficult concepts of race so that they get them flustered, they get the person the white person flustered and upset And by them getting flustered and upset, well, that's just evidence and further proof of them being racist. That's what this whole article hinges on. I'm not misrepresenting their, their, their writing here. I find that to be extremely dangerous. And the reason why I find it dangerous is because the more that this becomes heaped on in our culture, in our society, I think there's going to be a, there's going to be a very negative backlash. Now I don't, I don't think we're gonna see a rise in the, in the Ku Klux Klan. I don't think anything like that is necessarily gonna happen. I don't think we're gonna see a rise in um, white on black crime. What I do think is possible is I think we're gonna see a large number of people who are not black, okay? Who, um, and whether that's whites or Asians or Hispanics or whomever, I think we're gonna, there's a potential now to see non-blacks who are gonna say, you know what? I don't even want to engage with black people anymore because I don't wanna be accused of this kind of stuff. I don't wanna be, I'm I'm tired of being called a racist all the time. And I think there's a a possibility that others will just disengage with members of the black community. And I think personally, I think that's scary. Um, But, I think it's, I think we're on that road. And if, if, if we're
0: we're already there,
1: if black leaders of black communities don't recognize that and they don't take action to say, you know what, this kind of, this kind of race baiting is despicable and we need to stop it. Then I think it's going to become much more prevalent in terms of just people just choosing not to engage. Like I said, I'm not calling for people to commit crimes or to attack (laughs) black people. I'm just trying to describe what I see and, and I'm trying to say, well, where does this lead as a thought exercise? Where, what's, what does the end of this road look like? Right. And the reason why D'Angelo Robin and Cheryl here, the authors of this article wrote this is because, well, they see this as another form of inequality and they see this as, well, if we can engage with, if we can, you know, engage and draw out these negative biases, we can, you know, people of color will be perceived as being more being tra- treated fairly and more
0: equal, right? No, it, I think it's, it's
1: going to have the opposite.
0: No, absolutely, and and it is, and it it already is. It's nothing about any of this actually says unity. Nothing about this says oh. um, let's let's come together as a nation of Americans and and uh, cohabitate. Um, Everything is about, it's, it's all about division because divided we can be controlled. We can be manipulated. We can be utilized for whatever means. And um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. There's, there hasn't been, I don't believe this is my editorial portion here. I don't believe there's been a greater divide amongst the races and genders and um even your your socially identifiable gender um ever in this country like there is right now right
1: and and it's not going to do it's not going to do any good for any kind of whether it's equality of opportunity or being treated fairly in the workplace it's going to ham. it's going to it's going to dampen the the good things that can come out of equality of opportunity and and you know fair treatment uh, in society, because uh, I think I think I think the black community could suffer for it, because I think are,
0: every community is going to suffer. Well, for Well, definitely it. every community. It's well, every yeah, community.
1: every community will. But I think it's going to. I think it's definitely going to impact the black community because you're going to have a vast majority of Americans of that who are not members of the black community that will just say, you know what, I don't want to engage anymore. Yep. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put myself out there because. I don't, I don't want to be treated that way. I don't want to be treated like I'm a terrible person just because of the color of my skin. So I'm not going to engage with you.
0: Right. Right. And yeah, it's like I said, that's, that's happening already. Um, But I think the divide uh, widens as we go forward down this path, unless there's some radical change to stop it. And unfortunately, I don't know that that's going to come from any form of leadership, period. That has to come from us as the citizenry to say enough enough. is enough. Yeah.
1: Americans have to stand up against this and say enough is enough. This is just, uh, this is ridiculous. And we can't, we can't keep, we can't keep doing this. I mean, in the article, they talk about how um, there was another scholar who wrote, uh, who wrote some, some things on, on racial divides that existed 120 years ago. I know, I understand there were, there were, there were deep racial divides in this country 120 years ago. I'm not, I'm not faulting what that other individual wrote, but these two scholars, Cheryl and Robin go further and say, well, since, since there was this systemic racism, racism that existed 120 years ago, by virtue of, of blacks being born in our society, that was systemically racist 120 years ago, blacks are inherently um, uh, skilled at identifying the underlying racism perpetuated by whites. In other words, if your racism is, your, your racism that you exude is invisible, these young black people can see it and they can then call you out on it. And I think that's just I think that's dangerous. It's incredibly incredibly dangerous. dangerous.
0: It really is. It's, it's now no matter it's you're, you're silencing an entire race of people out of fear and, and fear, not even for something that they may say, but something that someone else may interpret them to actually Mm -hmm. mean without them saying anything at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even being silent then becomes racist as well. And that's the other part of it so yeah now we're getting even further on the racial topic that yeah so let's
1: go ahead and let's uh, okay <laughs> let's stop there <laughs> all right well do you have anything to 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 say to sum
0: up here um everything that I, we've talked I guess about? what i was saying before you know um i really like that song uh the view i love the most is my front porch looking in mm-hmm. um yeah every time I start thinking like um i'm I'm short on what I have, I try and go outside and look back inside and see what I do have um and I challenge everybody in that in in different areas of their life, you know whether it's your especially things you're frustrated with uh, my drop- my job gave me a doozy of a week last week, so um you know it it was hard at that point to look at some of the things I do have and some of the things that I do the opportunities I do have there and the the uh, leniency that I'm afforded in some cases um, with my job and you know it it really does help at least ground you out a little bit so look for those opportunities to see the things that you do have not just the things that you don't that somebody else might
1: that's good I love it it's so beautiful
0: oh start up. so beautiful and so poetic shut up You're <laughs> I don't know whether you're tired or drunk, but I've been drinking water all night. So,
1: um,
0: you're tired then a little, a little tired, but not definitely
1: not drunk. Well, um, I think that's, that'll, uh, that'll about do it. Remember everybody, you can catch us off of YouTube. We have a YouTube channel out there. If you go out to YouTube and do a search for uh, fusion underground, you'll find us. We're also on BitShoot. Just search Fusion Underground. We'll pop up there as well. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash um, AZ You can catch all of our um, RSS feeds for the audio portion and links to BitChute and to YouTube directly to those channels off of our website at fusionunderground.net. There you can find all of the podcast feeds to Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public and Stitcher or just grab the RSS feed itself and plug it into whatever uh, um, podcast um, podcast app that you have. Um, I use beyond pod on, on my phone and I just plugged in the art. I actually just did a search on fusion underground and I I found us. So we're out there. Um, you can find it. Please send us emails. Uh, tell us what you think. Um, you can send emails to contact at fusionunderground.net, or just drop us some, uh, some comments off of the Facebook page. We'd appreciate it. And wherever you're listening to us, please like the show. Um, that helps get us more exposure and get it out there for other people. And by all means, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Thank you. Let them know, uh, you know, you're listening to, uh, two imbeciles out there on the, on the interwebs and.
0: Hey, now. Ignoramus, (laughs) please. There you go. There you go. All right,
1: everybody. I'm for four on behalf of uh, Jason Moret. I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Take care. Take care.